Good morning, students. How are you? Good. good? Doing well? That's right. That's a, that's a proper answer. I heard some goods. It says Superman does good. You're doing well. All right. Let me, uh, let me put a timer on here so that I don't ruin your day. Won't ruin mine, but could ruin yours. Okay. So this morning, just kind of a bit, maybe a heavy topic to talk through for just a, a Tuesday morning. But uh, if I were to title this morning's address to you guys, it would just be the way forward. Okay. So as I was kind of thinking through what could I share with you, what could I talk with you about, things that came to mind was things that I wish someone would have shared with me at your age. Tools that I wish I would have had in my toolbox to pull out as life gets harder and trickier uh, as trials come. Okay. So there are several ways that we can navigate hardship and trial and pressure. Um, and I would list probably three of those for you today. One, uh, and this would be one that I'm friends with someone who does this. When, when hardship comes, uh, he wallows in it. He just lays down, he cries, and he's incapacitated. He's unable to function, right? Uh, the other way is you come a bit more calloused and a bit more cold, maybe fatalistic, and you just say life is just the way it is. And you're cold to, to the hardship, which means then you're cold to the good times as well. Um, the third way, which we'll get to shortly, is what we'll find in Scripture. And we see the psalmist and how he interacts with hardship and trial. So before we get to that, though, I, I thought I would share just some of my own experience in life with you guys to bring us up to speed with why this is important to me. Okay, um, You guys have been blessed by being in in membership with families here who are godly people. I would dare to say that 99% of you, your mothers and fathers, love you so much. They're, they're trying to raise you to love the Lord. Um, and you probably all have moms and dads that are still married to one another. You have great home lives for the most part. That's not the experience of people outside of this place often. Um, and that was not my experience. I'd say that's probably not Mr. Taylor's experience. And so you guys have this kind of beautiful covering that God has given you as a grace to you. But when you leave this place and when you leave your home, you're going to encounter people uh, that have different lived experiences. And you're also going to live through some hardships yourself. So young men, you're going to grow up and you're going to get jobs and you're going to, by God's grace and favor, I pray that you would get a wife and you would have a quiver full of children. But then comes the real trouble of how do you take care of this family? How do you disciple them? How do you take care of a wife who's distraught, perhaps, and, and upset? And you young ladies, I pray that God would give you a, a, a husband who loves and leads you and would give you a, a, a great amount of children that you could raise up. But the reality is that there are going to be days you're tired and you're worn out and that you're emotional, that your kids treat you disrespectfully and you have to keep the same fight going on that just never ends um, you might lose your parents at some point in your life or you will lose your parents at some point in your life but you might lose them sooner than you want to there's all sorts of things that are going to happen and how you navigate that is going to make or break you okay and so my my experience growing up I grew up in a home that we went to church um, my father was not a, a believer he was a very abusive man he was very, very rough with us as kids. And so thinking through some things that are going on right now in the world, like 
like the whole Russia and Ukraine issues, our inflation here in the U.S. And I felt this growing pressure on my on my life um, because how do I navigate this with a family? It'd be one thing if I was just a hobo and I took care of myself and it was just me. But it's another thing when I have four mouths to feed as well as my wife to care for. And I felt this pressure that I hadn't felt in a long, long time. When I was young, my dad was very abusive. And when I was really small, what he would do is he would walk into the living room when you'd lay there and watch TV. And this might be a bit heavy and graphic for you, but he would, he would put his foot on my back and he'd put pressure down so I couldn't breathe. And then he'd push more and more and more until the breath would leave from my lungs. And then he would wait till I'd start to maybe kind of teeter a bit and pass out. Then he'd release. It was just torturous. And so, like I said earlier, there's several ways we can cope, right? So I could have wallowed in it. My form of coping was I just got callous. I just said, okay, whatever happens, happens, man. Just go to sleep. Maybe don't wake up. You just become cold to the world around you. You put your head down and you get through it. That's not how we're called to live as Christians, though. And so I found myself kind of reverting back to that. We're catechized throughout our whole life by our parents and our surroundings. And I found myself drifting back into that method again, saying, well, man, just keep my head down. I'll get through it. Not really realizing that God is a God who loves to deliver his people, who loves to save his people, who cares for his people. And so this morning as I was reading uh, through this psalm again, uh, it recalled that to me. And I wanted to share this with you because I want you to have these tools so that you can pull them out when life gets hard. And I pray that you never experience some of the hardships that maybe I have or that your parents have. But that doesn't mean that you won't experience hardships and they're not going to be hard for you. Okay, so we're going to read this psalm. Uh, Do you guys, anybody have a Bible in here with them? No? Okay, I'll read it for you. So this is Psalm 77. I want you to pay super close attention. Um, And there's there's kind of four parts to this psalm, but there's two major sections here. Okay, so Psalm 77, he says, this is Asaph, who uh, would have been of the tribe of Levi and would have been probably now in Babylon and and separated from the temple, not able to function as he knew he should. So he says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. 
The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So, a bit much, you're not looking at this text with me, but what, if you were to break that into two sections, what would you, what would you see there? Could you see a pattern at all? If you can't, that's okay. Think, think hard though. What does he do in the beginning? What does he say? Do you remember? Yeah. Okay, and how does he end this psalm? Exactly. So we see this pattern throughout the psalms. All, all throughout the psalms. It's just periodically. We see David do it. We see Solomon do it. We see Asaph. We see other psalmists. And, and what we see is this pattern. They begin with their grievance. Even their frustration at times with the Lord. Like, why? Why are these hard things happening? Why is it that I can't afford gas right now? Like, that's petty, but it's real. Why is it that I have this struggle going on? Why are all of my relationships just falling apart in front of me? And he, he voices the grievance to God, but he doesn't just wallow in it. And he doesn't just say, well... It is what it is because we all know that God's sovereign, right? But we can take that and we can say, God's sovereign, so whatever. It doesn't matter. That's not how the psalmist treats this situation, though, does he? He takes it and he says, God, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm hurt. I'm a little frustrated at the way things are going on. Why? And then he says, I'm going to recall the things that you've done. I know that you've delivered. I know that you delivered all the way back. Listen, he says all the way to Moses and Aaron. So as the Israelites are, are crossing the Red Sea, and you can picture they're standing at the sea waiting for God to do something, Egyptians behind them, and he just parts the seas before them. And the psalmist is recalling he never lived through that, but he remembers that God did those things. The same way that God has delivered your parents and, and maybe your grandparents, we can recall even the things that God didn't do directly for us, but that he did because he's good because he delivers. And so as you get older, I want you to have this tool in your toolbox to come back to Psalms all the time. Like I said, you young ladies, I pray that, that God would afford you the opportunity to, to be married and have children and to raise them up to fear the Lord. You young men, I pray that God keeps you strong and, and able to work heartily and to, to provide for a family. But inside that microcosm of of a house, there's hardship that comes, no matter how much we safeguard ourselves. And there's a quote I'm going to pull up for you real quick. There's a guy named G.K. Chesterton, and he is probably one of my favorite. If you, if you like just small little quotes, he's probably one of my favorite guys for that. And he's got this quote that I come back to often. It says, because children have an abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. You guys probably have seen this with the little kids out there on the playground. He says, they always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. You guys probably, when you're at recess and the kids say, throw me in the air one more time, put me on your shoulders. That's the way a child works, right? 
And he says that for grown-up people, they're not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. This is really important. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite for, of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, but our father is younger than we. So, like I said earlier, God is a God who loves to deliver his people. As you get older, I want you to recall this day in April, the year of our Lord, 2022, where a guy with holes in his head came and spoke to you and he gave you just a couple little tools to pull out of the toolbox. Young men, when you're in the thick of it and you just want to put your head down and buckle in, I want you to remember that you have a God who wants you to cry out to him and then for you to preach the word of God to your heart because you're going to have to do that to your wives and your children as they struggle. And young ladies, I want you to remember this as well, that you have a father who loves you deeply, wants to hear your heart. And then for you not to just wallow in it, but to preach to yourself the things that he's done to deliver you. So let me pray for you, and then you guys would be dismissed, okay? God, your word is far more profitable, far more uh, proficient than I am with my own words. And so, God, I just ask that the words we read would wash over these students this morning, that they would recall these words in times of hardship, that when hard times do come, and we know that they will, that they would, with joy, open up their Bibles, read your word, and let it wash them. God, I ask that you would be with these students as the years continue and they grow in strength and stature, that these young men would grow into amazing husbands, amazing fathers that love you and love their families, that they would be faithful and they would not be wayward. God, we ask that you would do the same for these young ladies in here, that they would grow into beautiful mothers and wives that are praised at the gates for how they love and care for their children and their husbands. God, we know that you are sovereign, and yet we also know that you want to deliver us and hear our cries. So God, would we do that? Would we do that every day that we find ourselves in trial and hardship? We ask this all in your son's holy and perfect name. Amen.